Welcome back, everyone. Uh, so we'll be continuing uh, the morning's lectures. Um, so over to Professor. Uh, we are continuing the uh, discussion on the bimetallic monetary standard and its close, which happened uh, between the years and took it in stride that the supply, extra supply of silver is not going to upset the balance. Now what about the American demonetization of silver? Well, here there is a little complication because, as I explained, the fact that the monetization took place was not clear-cut. They did it underhandedly, and therefore many people may not have realized, but you can be sure that the speculators would realize it. They make it their business to read 
legislation. The legislators themselves <laughs> may not read it. <laughs> Be sure that <laughs> the speculators would, and they would pick on such a point as this one. Standard silver dollar was dropped from the list of silver coins authorized for minting. Now, if they had saw a danger of signal, the speculators, that really now here two big important countries up start up coming up the monetized silver if they inter, 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 interpreted this as a danger for the silver they would have started selling silver short in anticipation of a continued <coughs> fall in the silver price this didn't happen this just didn't happen. And uh, on the day, the president, at that time, it was President Grant, successful general in the Civil War on the North side, signed a bill into law on February the 12th, 1873, There was still no movement of silver to the mint, which you could use as an indicator of dumping silver. See, the speculators would have started dumping silver at the mint. And uh, the only interpretation you can use here is that even with these two countries demonetizing silver, the, uh, those who made it their business to watch the market very carefully did not see any cause for alarm. And uh, and therefore I don't think we can blame either Germany or the United States for the collapse of the silver price during the next 60 years. Unheard of event. It's absolutely uh, unprecedented. And if you think in terms of values disappearing from the market, this is, this is, uh, not made clear by history books. They just pass over this fact. Two countries uh, demonetized silver, closed their mints to silver, and therefore it's natural that the silver price falls from $1.25 an ounce to 25 cents by 1933. And 
I have been looking at the facts, reading as much as I could find, uh, and came to the conclusion that there's something very, very strange here, and it's worth the extra effort to investigate what it, what it was. In other words, I was looking for the smoking gun, and I, I thought I had found it as follows. Now, I'm, this is all very tentative. I'm speculating. As I pointed out, Not all the facts are available. For example, it was acknowledged that a mistake was made. Congress passed a law which was unconstitutional, a very extraordinary event at, in, at that time. <laughs> in, at that time. <laughs> it happened many times after. <clears throat> And there was an inquiry, but it was very cursory in inquiry. For instance, they didn't even investigate who in the treasury was responsible. And uh, Just uh, two years earlier, I think, the Supreme Court handed down a law, uh, sorry, a ruling, not a law, which found a particular act of Congress 40 years prior and declared it unconstitutional. Just to sketch it very briefly, the issue was that in uh, uh, <clears throat> Congress upgraded the value of gold in terms of silver. This was in response of this flip-flop, and they thought that <laughs> this makes sense to follow the gold-silver market ratio. But every time when ratio changes, they just change the biometallic ratio. What they did, I think originally it was it was 1 to 16, or 16, the biometric ratio established by uh, Congress with the first coinage law in 1792. And then, after the move of the market ratio, they adjusted it to 50. What did I say, 15? 16, you 16. said initially. It was. They I think it was more like 15 to 1 uh -huh. initially. 
and then they must have moved it up from 15. Uh, yeah, which was closer to the European bimetallic ratio, which uh, <coughs> was, uh, I think, 16. So anyhow, Congress made that change, and uh, then there was uh, a lawsuit growing out of that change. Somebody claimed that as a consequence of this change, he lost uh, value. I'm just just think of the situation where uh, a contract is made on the basis of 15 by metallic ratio, and then Congress makes a law and changes to 16. This means. Uh, raising the price of gold. And in fact, that's what it was. The price of gold was $19.30 before, and the result of the change, <coughs> the price of gold went up to $20.60, I think. So now if you had a contract made before the change and after the change uh, you were the creditor and after the change your debtor comes and repays the loan in cheap silver because you see as a result silver got cheap, cheapened. Not much, but some. And if it was a large sum, then you lost. Because you were thinking in terms of gold as the unit. So anyhow, this big creditor went to the uh, court and sued for damages. And uh, the court uh, rejected the claim. And then he appealed all the way to the Supreme Court. And in, I think, 1871, the Supreme Court finally handed down the decision that it was against the Constitution because value was taken from somebody without uh, without compensation. Now this is not really relevant to our story, but it's interesting to see how uh, rigorously people interpreted the Constitution in those days. Anyhow, it was just two years earlier that the Supreme Court handed down a decision 
which could uh, declare a law unconstitutional. And in uh, 1873, two years later, uh, we find that there was no serious investigation who was responsible for that mistake, if that is what it was. And therefore, I think the question will still open. What really happened? So, we are looking for the smoking gun, and I think I have found it. But uh, you don't have to agree with this. Just listen to the story, and, uh, and then we discuss it. I find this very interesting. Uh, I hope you always, you also will find it interesting. So what is the smoking gun? Here are the years, one after the other, which are critical. Uh, it's uh, 1870, the start of the Franco-Prussian War, 1871, the victory of Prussia and the big silver melt silver coin melt by the German Empire, which was born out of the Prussian victory. And then 1873, this critical or the Critical Legislation, Coinage Act of 1873, which underhandedly demonetized silver, closing uh, the mint to silver. The next year to mention is 1875. And there's another piece of legislation, the Congress made a law, and this is the so-called resumption. Of 1875. I'll, I'll explain what it is. And then 1879, which is the actual resumption. Resumption of what, Professor? Beg your pardon? Resumption of what? Yeah, I'm, I'm coming to that. So all this time, 
I think starting in 1866, but that date is not important for us. Thank you. All this time, the United States was on paper money standard. So this is the green back period. The, uh, the gold dollar still continued, remember? I explained that the, the government collected custom duties and excise taxes in gold coin. So there was gold coinage, but the United States was not on a gold standard uh, because the main uh, money, form of money, means of exchange, was the paper dollar, just uh, nicknamed the greenback. By the way, today still, must be a very pleasant name because they still kept it. Although there is this big difference that the greenback of the 1870s was not a legal tender, but today's uh, Federal Reserve notes are legal tender. All right. Now the resumption, the word resumption. Uh, refers to the resumption of the gold standard. And what it means is withdrawing the greenbacks uh, progressively withdrawing the greenbacks from circulation by paying off the holder of the greenbacks in gold coins. So that's what resumption means, alright? Resumption of the gold standard. This is a paper standard period and in that year they decided that they put an end to the paper money standard. However, <laughs> this was touch and go because they weren't quite sure how many people want to exchange their paper money for gold coins and therefore they gave themselves plenty of time, four years, to uh, prepare for that. They could not, I mean people could not exchange their paper dollars in, during this time but on January the 1st, 1879, they could. And there was a banker who said that he was prepared to pay $10,000 for the right to be the first at the door on January the 1st, 1879, to make the conversion. In other words, this guy took a gloomy view that this uh, resumption just won't work because too many people 
will uh, try to make the conversion. Now, as it turned out, <laughs> this is interesting, the banker was completely wrong because the day passed without any emotional scene or any, any uh, problem at all. This period was plenty to prepare the people and then they just uh, accepted that now, from now on, the paper dollar is exchangeable with the gold coin. See, in, in between the... Uh, there was a, a, an exchange rate between the gold dollar and the paper dollar. And the paper dollar had a lower rate, so I think at the, at the extreme it went as low as 30 cents to the gold dollar. If you go back to the actual Civil War period. And this, uh, as a rule, followed the fortunes of the, uh, of the, say, the North, the Union, over the South. If they were winning in the field, the Union soldiers were winning in the field, then the ratio went up. And if they were losing, which happened several times, the ratio went down. And as I say, uh, reached a low of 30 cents. And then it could go up again to 50 cents, go down and fluctuate. Now when the when the Union was in the end victorious and the Southern forces uh, laid down their uh, weapons, you might have expected the ratio go back to a hundred, but that did not happen. As <laughs> we are not surprised because there was a lot of uh, increase in the money supply by putting these paperbacks into circulation and they stayed in circulation and uh, the uh, the ratio of the gold dollar to the paper dollar uh, was something like 60. And it wasn't stable at that because all kinds of out extraneous things influenced that rate. So it was sometimes going up a little, down a little, and it was an unstable monetary system which was one reason why they decided to make a law with the effect that four years later there will be a resumption of the gold standard and uh, the paper dollar will be phased out.
Yes. One quick question. Who issued these greenbacks? Was that the U.S. Treasury? I think so. The Treasury uh, issued Treasury bills, which were uh, non-interest-bearing bills. So it was recognized that they were an obligation of the government, difference as many others, but the difference was that it was non-interest-bearing. Okay? So there was compulsion involved, but it was not a fully-fledged legal tender, which is interesting. All right, now, where is the smoking gun? Well, the smoking gun is here somewhere, and I tell you why. Because now there was a law that uh, the greenback will be replaced by gold coins and silver coins. It was the law of the land. But not yet. It will happen in four years' time. Now here's a question. Professor, sorry, did they announce when they passed the law that it would come into effect? In 1879? Well, that was the law. That was, oh, sorry, what that, that's okay. what the law. So, in other words, the law didn't do anything uh, at that time. But it. The date was already announced. Yeah, it announced a date by which, from one day to the next, the paper dollar was redeemable at full face value in gold and silver. Okay? Now, this is a very interesting situation which any speculator could grab and run with it. Because you could now visualize a situation that a lot more gold and silver, physical gold, spot gold and silver, will be needed. Not immediately, but in four years' time. So, in anticipation, and of course there was 